coming up on episode 361 of the YLP podcast. It is the go home episode before next week's backlash preview and predictions episode. And y'all know I have to come with that goodness before we get into the festivities. And I got a plenty kind of on the docket, but it's going to be longer form than usual for the most part. We'll see. But what do I have on the docket this week? Well, we're going to have to have a conversation yet again. Because if you did not catch my uh, bonus episode of uh, Light the Fuse, Triple H unveiled the WWE World Heavyweight Championship on this past Monday's episode of Monday Night Raw. And I had a good amount to say about it, including a possible booking decision that I think makes a lot of sense if you really think about it. That's either here or there, though. But I kind of wanted to give my... Because I didn't really get into the entirety of the reasoning of whether or not I actually dig the World Heavyweight Championship. So we're going to get into that a little bit more, dive deeper into maybe more booking. We don't know, but that's definitely the top story in today's episode. Also, WrestlingInc.com, AEW seemingly opening up their entire Wembley Stadium. Well, opening up entire Wembley Stadium for upcoming all-in ticket sales. From what I've heard, we're looking at at least 65000 but we'll get into the article. It's a short one this week, but we're going to talk about AEW All-In yet again and see how many people they can actually really pull off, pull off if anything. Also, Roderick Strong apparently just came out of fucking nowhere and showed up in AEW. And um, according to WrestlingInc.com, WWE had no plans to bring back Roderick Strong following his injury. We'll discuss all of that, including apparently another lawsuit by Vince McMahon. All that and more, because y'all know it's Saturday, and you know exactly what that means. This is episode 361 of the YLP Podcast. Let's hit that intro. Let's get it started. And with that being said, let us begin. This is Mr. Fretz of the Fretzelmania podcast, and you must be kicking off your weekend in proper YLP fashion by listening to the Young Lions perspective on Russell Attic Radio, the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling With Issues Podcast here, and welcome to episode 361 of the YLP Podcast. So glad to have you guys here with me on this fine Saturday, and I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast, and as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. It is Saturday. April 29th, 2023. Hope you guys had a solid week. Hope you did the best you possibly could for this week. And if you needed to change or do anything, you are going to develop this weekend to get that next week going and make that much better for yourself. 
And of course, y'all already know, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions on this particular episode or any of the other 360 episodes of the YLP Podcast, do not hesitate to hit me up with a voice message over at podcasters.spotify.com slash perspective or podcasters.spotify.com slash wrestleaddictradio and you can of course send me an email over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com I'll get into the rest of the particulars at the end of today's episode well 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 we are gathered here again to talk about either some foolishness or there's some nonsense dare I say and if you guys have checked out uh the latest episode will be return technically of light the fuse for those of my og fans who do know um that used to be my uh, aew dynamite review light the fuse dynamite light the fuse boom makes sense but i brought back light the fuse after what happened with on, on monday with the unveiling of the brand spanking new wwe world heavyweight championship a modernized big gold and I was quite happy with the entirety of the situation. Actually, I was not. I was kind of feeling some type of way about it a little bit, but not to the point where I was like in a ranting mood. I was more of just thinking in the terms of, okay, now that we have this new fancy, uh, beautiful thingy, the first thought that really came into my head was basically, so we're bringing a title back as somewhat of a consolation prize for not beating Roman Reigns. That was my initial thought. And the reason the the second this uh, news actually came out, my mind immediately went to two things. The first thing was, you had the chance to actually split the championships up at WrestleMania 39, but I'm going to get into that a little bit more in just a little bit. First thing was splitting the championships. You know what I'm saying? The second thing was, for all intents and purposes, especially after this decision that was made for the uh, the, the returning, the rebirth, if you will, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, it's safe to say every person, every one of us, including myself, who picked Cody to beat Roman, were actually right. Because think about it like this. We already had two world championships on main roster. WWE, Universal Championship. You then bring back you then rebirth the wwe world heavyweight championship thus now having three world champions on your main roster three world championships i should say on your main roster god thank god that we don't have the w wwe cw shit going on that's before time and we ain't gonna talk about that but now you have three world titles in wwe world heavyweight wwe universal Like I said just a second ago, WWE, by making this move happen, shows once and for all we were right. Cody should have beaten Roman for the world for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship at WrestleMania, because now you're bringing back, bringing a third world title into this. Hey, y'all. 
Didn't we already have two world titles? Didn't we already have, you know, those belts? And, you know, that was the what we were think was going to happen. Cody beats Roman, finishes the story. But then it really go. It really shows 100% WWE was all in about making sure they got Roman to a thousand days as Universal Champion. Now, once I got that out, of the, once I got that out of the way, the reason the World Heavyweight Championship being unveiled is kind of kooky to me is because with this draft. Now, when you hear this, it's going to be Saturday. When you, when I, as I'm speaking right now, it is Friday. So basically going into this draft, whatever brand Roman goes to, like I said, as of this, as of the recording right now, it is Friday, 4.46 p.m. So pretty much this is way before SmackDown and the rounds two and three in the NFL draft and things. Anywho, I don't know who's, where, which brand Roman's going to. I'm lying. He's going to SmackDown. Fox is not going to let him go. So now that we got that out of the way, Roman's now on SmackDown yet again. And I posed this on, I think about sleep Monday, Tuesday. If you guys check it out, thank you so much for checking it out. Much appreciated. Um, the way I see it, you already had two world titles. Cody, if it wasn't going to be at WrestleMania, we all basically our mind then shifts to the next big four pay per view, which would be SummerSlam. Which be which would be the most logical thing if you wanted Cody to go through adversity, have him lose at Mania, have him go through Brock Lesnar, or as I booked it, getting it not getting his ass kicked by Brock Lesnar, not a squash, but a very solid match. But Cody just can't get it done. I would have him stay on Raw, challenge for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. He shouldn't win that belt. That should be an honor that goes to Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins is freaking. Amazing, even though we still have the running joke here that he raids Becky Lynch's closet and he even has more and a more extensive, extravagant wardrobe of his own, one that even Becky got jealous of at WrestleMania. If you saw the video, you saw the video. <laughs> but seriously, that honor is to go to Seth Rollins, no one else. Finn Balor, if you want him in the final, fine, but he's probably gonna go to SmackDown too. Again, this is at at 4.48 p.m. on Friday, April 28th, when I'm recording this. So we don't know what's going to happen yet. But Seth Rollins should take that. But Cody should be in the final. If anything, Seth and Cody should get that final. And Seth gets, and finally, Seth beats Cody. Clean. No foolishness. The way I see it, Finn Balor should go to SmackDown and join, bring the Judgment Day with him because Rhea Ripley's already over there. Just saying it makes sense. Um, so, he loses the Seth. If they do this, if they decide to do King of the Ring, I would have Cody in the final in that and still not get the win. The only, the only time I would have Cody finally get his proverbial, in a sense, as he puts it, last chance to become champion and beat Roman is that he vows to win money in the bank and and then cashes in challenging Roman a month before so he can get that nice build to SummerSlam, by the way. And, and we get Cody Roman 2 at SummerSlam. Then that's when you give Cody the titles. Then that's when you're pretty much going to, like, the, the, 
I guess, the SmackDown after. Well, technically, it's the WWE Championship, so he goes over to Raw. Because um, in my booking, Cody would have been drafted to Raw. Roman would have been on SmackDown, and he, you know, finishing the story makes it like even that, even that is much more adversity. We're tr- adversity is the word that I have that I am going at with this booking, okay? But if Cody has to go through it, I'll make more that motherfucker go through it. Just let it be known. But it's that simple. But yet we had to include. So yeah, when they had, and the thing was with Triple H when he announced that you know. You know, he's going to have the universal title there and it will stay there. That even that even sentence like made it made freaking no sense because it's just like, I get it. I get you're trying to, you know, bring in a new world title, all this stuff. Fantastic. Could have waited until after SummerSlam to do it, though. Sorry. It just made it just made it very confusing for me. And I was just very confused. And I'm trying to you know, break it down and trying to really figure this out in my head. And the only way I can think of is not having the world heavyweight championship be unveiled until after SummerSlam. I like the belt. Let's let let me make sure I get this in here. I love the design of the belt, a modernized big gold that we have been needing for quite some time. Okay. But I think it could have been like, if you if you want to do it there, do it. But it, it just makes it very confusing. But it, it, it the main thing that I'm trying to get the point across is that Cody should have beat Roman if we're gonna do this belt. You know, if this was the move y'all were gonna make and what it was gonna be done for Night of Champions, then Cody should have beat Roman for the world for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. That way, you retire the Universal Championship. I could be, honestly, a thousand days of a thousand days. It's a feat that no one will ever touch in terms of the Universal Championship. I get that. I did a little research earlier. I was talking to a friend of mine. And I brought up the point, and I looked this up. Roman Reigns smashed that record. A year and a half ago, a year and three months to be exact, a year, three months and about two days. If, I mean, days part is the numbers. But before Roman smashed the record, Brock Lesnar had the record of 504 days with the Universal Championship. Roman then took that Universal Championship and then smashed that. And now we're at, as of right now, 971 days with the Universal title. We know Roman's not defending it and will easily break a thousand days as champion. When he gets to SummerSlam, I believe it'll be a thousand and seventy-one days. Give or take, you know, my math. It'll be a thousand and seventy-one days. If Roman does drop it, drop the uh I was about to say United States Championship, the undisputed WWE Universal Championship, it's just too many. Le- See, this is why we need to split the titles and and just not, and just not. Okay, and just not. Just, uh. Anywho. What WWE has done, and I'm not saying the WWE, WWE Unit World Heavyweight Championship 
isn't a lovely thing. I love the design. Like I said, I love the design. I love the fact that it is a modernized big goal, big goal that we have been needing in the company for some time now. Don't mind me. I'm just I'm trying to figure out my pop filter situation here. Okay. But seriously, it brings, it just, it just bring, that's that biggest point. I'm trying to get a point across. We have three world titles in, in WWE and we didn't, that we didn't need really in the first place. You could have basically had Cody beat Roman, win the Universal, not win both titles, come out raw after Mania to a, a roaring ovation from the crowd in LA. A raucous crowd finally seeing their hero. I get it. They didn't let him touch. I get it. But seeing what we saw, knowing what we know now, letting hindsight being 2020, they fumbled the bag when it came to Cody Roman at WrestleMania. We know that to be true now. Some of you may see otherwise, and that's perfectly fine. That is your opinion. But it... But doing this makes it that much more easy to say that Cody should have beaten Roman at WrestleMania 39. It's true. Whether you want to admit it or not, it's unfortunately true. But then you but then you do have some storyline into it. Because you can still you can still make it happen. It can still work. The way I the way I have it in my head, the way I'm booking it, allows Cody to go through the adversity that he needs to go through. Finally conquers the man who many would say is unconquerable in Roman. If WWE, WWE, words are hard nowadays. You then have Cody beat Roman at SummerSlam. You now retire the Universal title. You can do this at SummerSlam or you can do it on SmackDown because now Cody will be on SmackDown. Pretty much at this point, you win Money in the Bank, you win a championship, you're going on SmackDown. That's how it goes because then Seth would already have the World Heavyweight Championship. So, yeah. Let's make sure we do that. But yeah. If you're going to go this route, Cody is going to have to go to SmackDown because Seth will have already beaten Cody for the World Heavyweight Championship at Night of Champions. Challenges for King of the Ring, representing the Raw side, doesn't get it done. Gets in, Qualifies for the Money in the Bank, wins Money in the Bank, cashes in at SummerSlam, beats Roman, wins Universal and WWE Championships. They retire the Universal Championship. Triple H comes out with a new modernized Wing Eagle Championship, gives it to Cody, and now we have the WWE Championship around the waist of Cody Rhodes. That's how you finish the story. Excuse me. That's how I do it, personally. But getting into the whole thing, it's just the way WWE did it, it just created a little confusion, at least with me. Because, you know, whatever brand Roman's going to, it's going to be SmackDown. Raw is pretty much, like, like, how, like, they're, you know, damn well that Roman's not leaving SmackDown. We know this to be true. It's perfectly fine. So, yeah, the Raw Raw brand is getting the, uh, and, and here's what I'm thinking with this. In terms of the, because if you were on Twitter on, on Monday night, 
you you saw it on all over. You know, this is basically the consolation prize to not beating Roman, the uh, second place, the silver championship, if you will, if we're going by Olympic standards, um, the consolation prize, the participation trophy belt, because that's what it is. WWE did it wrong. They honestly did. They honestly did it wrong. All they had to do was have Cody beat Roman, get the WWE Championship back on Raw, Universal Championship goes to SmackDown. If you want to do the World Heavyweight Championship then for SmackDown, perfectly fine. You can then crown your champion and out of champions draft, all that good stuff. Roman, Seth, Finn, um, you know, Gunter, all that good stuff. Okay, that would have been nice. That's a nice foursome, little mini tournament, little four-way. Pause. They did it wrong. That's it. You still could have given us the modernized big gold for SmackDown. A new championship that... Because, again, Roman already smashed the Universal Championship record. Did they need to get to 1,000 days to prove a point? Depending on who you ask, yes or no. Okay? Me, I didn't think that needed to happen. Just me. I get why, but... Roman already smashed the record a year and three months ago. There wasn't any point left to prove. Roman's the, when you think of the Universal Championship, you're not going to think of Finn Balor. You're not going to think of Seth Rollins. You're not going to think of AJ Styles. I think. You're not going to think. You're not going to think of Kevin Owens. It's just quite confusing. My, my apologies for the dead air there at that, at that moment, but the way that it's just being maneuvered at this point, I kind of have an idea of what they're trying to do, but I don't at the same time. And that's never a good thing, at least for me in my, my realm of thought, because of the fact that I'm a person, I'm not saying that it needs to be definitive, but I'm just saying at least, you know, make it look like you give a shit. Because the way they did it was just like, hey guys, we got a championship. It's not the one you really want, but here you go anyway. Look, it's a modernized big gold. Doesn't it look great? This is fantastic. Oh wait, it's not as big of a W on it as you really thought it was with the other championships that Roman Reign has around his fucking waist. They made it. They it basically looks like a second rate championship, and that's not a a backhanded compliment that I want to give the championship. But that's basically what it is. Hey, Seth, look at this modernized big gold. Look over at that and, and gawk at it like it's Becky Lynch. Never mind. I'm not going to get into that. Um, 
Hey, Finn, why don't you go over and take a look at it, too, and look at it like it's a wonderful cookie. And I'm kind of in the mood to eat some cookies. That's a whole different story. I ain't going to get into that right now because then I'm going to be talking about food for the next nine minutes. But it's just one of those things where I dig the fact that there's a modernized big gold. I dig the fact that there's a new championship and we are getting quote unquote more. But the way they're going about it just seems a little off to me. That's how I feel. And here's the thing. If you wanted to freaking, you know, have the World Heavyweight Championship go over to SmackDown, which honestly, it wouldn't have been a bad idea because then we get the Winged Eagle, a modernized Winged Eagle Championship on Raw, please. Because it would have made sense. New era, new everything, please. And including a set of actual tag team championships so we don't have to see those fruit roll-up tag belts anymore. But hey, I'm just a motherfucker who dreams sometimes. Let me live. But the way I just see it, it just seems like they booked themselves into a corner. And they just couldn't dare to get themselves out of it. That's how I feel. They were booked into a corner. They knew what they had to do. They knew they could had to do the thing. It was undeniable. They knew they had to do it. They knew they had to do it, but somehow they were just like, no, we don't want to do it. Here's a, here's a new shiny belt. That's basically what happened. Whether it be influenced by Vince McMahon, whether it be foolishness behind the scenes, whether it be no one knew when the, I mean, granted, don't get it twisted. This was the most, the most unpredictable choice that I ever made in terms of WrestleMania, honestly. And this is, this is usually, you know, something I would say for reviews. You could have gone, and I think I said this in my preview before WrestleMania 39, regardless of who went. Either, it could have gone either way, and you wouldn't be mad at it because all I wanted because the match was fucking spectacular. Let's not get that twisted. It was a, it was the, it was how a main event at WrestleMania should be, minus the shenanigans at the end. But I got, I got and understood why they did it. But now that we are weeks, you know, past WrestleMania 39, it's called. It gives you a little cause for confusion and concern in my eyes, and that's just me. I don't know about you. You can sound up on this, you know, leave me a voice, message, just leave me an email. Let me know what you're thinking, because this is one of those things where it just gets confusing a little bit. The way I book it, though, it actually makes all the sense in the fucking world. Because if you think about it, Roman doesn't have to, you know, deal with Cody. Roman's like, ah, ha, 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 Cody's on Raw. Ha, 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 ha. Cody can't beat Brock Lesnar. I beat Brock Lesnar. You didn't beat Brock Lesnar. That was your first encounter with Brock Lesnar. Fun fact, and I actually saw this on uh, Adam Blampier's uh, Brock Lesnar retirement booking, which y'all should check out because it's fucking awesome. Hint, hint. Uh, the person to uh, retire Brock Lesnar is something we is a match we want to see for a very long time, and something we wanted to see for the past couple of months. I'll let y'all figure that out amongst yourselves. New topic, but. 
it's just one of those like you know roman roman can like roman could literally make fun of cody in promos while they're on separate brands oh look at me i still have my two belts you couldn't be like like i said you couldn't be brock lesnar i couldn't you know i beat brock lesnar many times you couldn't even beat him when it mattered most um oh look cody can't beat seth rollins you know he's beaten him all he's beaten him three times already but yet he can't beat him when it really matters most for the world heavyweight championship oh look cody's in king of the ring oh foo i could have beaten everybody i would have demolished everyone in that tournament and become king roman hearkening back to the king woods gimmick callbacks you're welcome oh good oh look money in the bank he really thinks he's finally gonna do it you know what cody i wish you all the best you could have really played this up if you wanted to if you want to do it that way honestly it can be done they won't and i'm doing it better than them send me the check wwe you know you want this booking you need this mind i'm kidding y'all don't y'all don't deserve it but We can't really change that. The WWE World Heavyweight Championship is here. I like the design. I love it. I love the design. It's not a gaudy W belt. It's not, which is good. A little bit more intricacy on the uh, world champion bit. Kind of, you know. But it, it looks like big gold. It's just a modern version of it. Kind of gives me NWA Championship vibes in terms of the size of the belt, which I'm not mad at. It's just how they went about it. Because they're really, like, this is like, they, they're really going to have to make, like, if they're really going to finish the story, if they're still going to do the finishing the story with Cody, you're really going to have to convince a lot of people that, that this is this is the move. This is what you need to do. Let Cody get past, let Cody Brock Lesnar take place. Let that happen. From there, we'll go. But they're really going to have to convince a lot of people. I already have it in my head how I would do it. You've heard it. But they're going to have to convince a lot of people that a the world heavyweight championship is not just the consolation prize for not beating roman and they're gonna have to somehow finish the story with cody and roman and as of this you know recording right now it is 507 p.m i don't know where cody rhodes is going but if they have a move to smackdown then that would be the most logical thing in the world we'll see what happens and we'll see if i'm right but it's either one of two ways you either have cody go to raw or you have cody go to smackdown that's basically it and if they're gonna have Cody finished the story. Cody's gonna have to go to SmackDown. If they're if 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 I'm thinking in WWE land, if they want to finish the story, Cody would have to be moved to SmackDown and let Seth Rollins get out of the way. Then you get Seth Rollins, Finn Balor. I personally want Cody to. If I'm booking it in my head, if I'm booking this, I want Cody to have as much adversity as possible. I want Cody to feel like shit. I want Cody to think that he can't do it. I want Cody to, when it comes to, when it gets to money in the bank, this is like his literal last chance because technically you won't get another one until the Royal Rumble. We'll see how this goes. But I just want to kind of give you a further, you know, my like my thoughts on, you know, the belt, how I would book it. For those of you that didn't hear the uh, thing on Monday, you know, what kind of position this puts, you know, WWE in. And from here we shall go. So that's my top story for this week. Wanted to kind of do it in a little bit of a different manner. I hope you guys enjoyed all of that. My thoughts on this, this week's top story with Triple H unveiling the new world championship. When we come back, I got a bit more news. 
AEW seemingly opening up entire Wembley Stadium for upcoming all-in ticket sales and on. WWE apparently is now in more legal scrutiny. Vince McMahon being sued by former employee alleging racist storylines and wrongful termination on the other side of episode 361 of the YLP podcast. We'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with episode 361 of the YLP podcast. And before we get into the next bit of news that we have for this segment of the, of the uh, podcast here, uh, let me make sure I do my shameless plugs and plug the entirety of the Wrestle Addict Radio family besides myself. Tuesdays, make sure you catch an all new season of Grace for Impact. My boy, Nate the Effing Great, talking about the Elden Days. The older, wonderful, old-school days of TNA and Impact Wrestling. If that's your thing, this is the podcast for you. That's every Tuesday, Wednesday nights, of course. Check out the Kings and the Rings podcast, hosted by, of course, our Steam General Manager, King Ricky Rose, Will Tara Shook, a.k.a. Willie T, and, of course, the one, the only, the legend that is, K. Motherfucking Murphy. If you don't catch the live, join on either course of YouTube, Twitch over at twitch.tv slash K-O-T-R underscore podcast or on Twitter. You can catch it on Thursdays everywhere you listen to podcasts. Of course, Spotify, because now we're part of Spotify. It'd be like that sometimes. Anywho, Fridays, check out the Fretzelmania podcast. And Fretz, I am quite jealous that you have a Traeger grill. And I saw that wonderful brisket that you made, sir. It is fine. Um, I'll just give you my address. You can send that uh, about half that over to my way, just letting you know. But uh, yes, if you are a, a fan of the Rufus Aggression era, if that was your jam, if that was your thing, Brother Fretz has got you covered every Friday. And of course, you can check out the Wildly Podcast every Saturday on WrestleEdit Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Let us head over to WrestlingInc.com and discuss AEW seemingly opening up entire Wembley Stadium for upcoming all-in ticket sales. This is from Eric Mutter. While it was pretty clear that AEW was going all-in when they announced all-in, ha 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 ha, funny joke, they had something fun, they, their upcoming trek across the pond to London's fabled Wembley Stadium, there was still a question of how all-in, ha ha ha, they're trying to make puns here, it's quite nice, they would go with the show. Would AEW attempt to sell out the 90,000 capacity football stadium and go for broke? Or would they set their sights on a smaller number and not entirely risk it all for the biscuit? I put that last little bit in there and that was mine. In the end, it turns out AEW named the event the way they did for good reason. Today, Ticketmaster posted, well, this was not technically today, this was from April 25th. Tuesday. Yes. So on Tuesday, Ticketmaster posted and then quickly removed a seating chart for all in. I wish I had screenshotted that. Along with prices, as everything is with everything deleted on the internet. However, proof still remain because the cloud is forever. I don't care. You can send. Trust me. Those nudes you want to delete it. 
I'm going to have to deal with anyway. With several screenshots of the seating chart and the prices for tickets ranging from 30 pounds to 1,500 pounds. I'm going to have to hit up uh, Brother Jermaine and you know, use my telekinesis powers to get to him and figure out math because, well, I can just Google it later. But anyway, a look at the chart suggests that AEW will not be tarping off sections of Wembley Stadium, with no sections appearing as blacked out. As such, it appears the promotion will be seeking a full capacity sellout for All In when tickets officially go on sale next Friday. Though that will not be officially known until after both the general sale and the pre-sale, which takes place a week from today. All In at Wembley Stadium on August 27th represents the biggest show AEW has ever attempted, with the promotion looking to top their previous record of over 20,000 fans for the first Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium in September of 2021. As of 11 days ago, or technically 15? Over 50,000 fans had reportedly registered for the all-in pre-sale, though it remains unknown what number of those signups will translate to ticket sales. That last little bit is funny. Because even if X amount of people maybe don't buy them, they've already got they've already pretty much surpassed their biggest crowd they've ever had. They have surpassed the big they will be they will easily surpass the biggest crowd they have ever ever done with this show, regardless. And I I mean we talked about it last week, of course, with uh, a, uh with uh Chris Jericho talking about the loud well, that was two weeks ago, actually, I should say, about the um loud mounts that were saying AEW is gonna be AEW all in in London is going to be a failure. It's not. You know it's not. You wish it was, but it's not. Because that's it's London. It's the UK. It's AEW in the UK, something that A, US fans have been clamoring to see want to see for some time. B, um, UK fans have been wanting to see this in some, you know, SummerSlam 90 fucking two. Okay. Now, granted, it you know, Clash of the Castle wasn't in Wembley, but it was in the UK for the first time in 30 years. So that says something. When you've been waiting on a show as long as I've been alive, well, that really also does say something. That's a yikes for me. Anywho. But seriously, All In is not going to fail. Now, if you're basing, you know, if they're basing this whole, you know, failing off, you know, getting the whole thing, they're trying to go, like, when they put All In, I think, you know, pun was intended. Cheeky. I know. It's like that. But seriously, if you didn't think they were going to really go all out, haha, pun in, pun actually intended on that one, because the week after All In, they're doing all out. But yes, they are going to go all in on the show, and they're going to go all out trying to get as many people into Wembley as possible. I mean, it's freaking London. It's their first show in London. And the fact that they have the balls to say, uh, we're not doing O2. We're not doing Manchester. We're not doing freaking, you know, we're not going to go to Scotland. We're not doing not, we're not doing Dublin. We're not doing Blackpool, although it would have been really funny for sake of the joke for the memes. Blackpool Combat Club fighting in Blackpool. That would have been dope. Um, yeah, we're not doing yeah, we're doing fucking London. We're doing Wembley. And if you don't like it, well, we don't care. That's basically how I see it. Because of this, it's, it's, it's simple. It's the simple fact that AEW, and of course, we, we've heard it before. We've heard all the reports. They've wanted to go to London. They've wanted to, to do this. 
So the fact that, you know, I'm talking about news of them seemingly opening up the entire stadium for the all-in ticket sales, that should be no surprise to anyone. Because when Clash of the Castle went down in the UK, you know they're going to pick the biggest stadium they could find. It wasn't going to be London necessarily. And that's perfectly okay, but they were coming back to the UK anyway. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that if WWE was going to go, you know, for lack of a better term, all out with the show over in, you know, Scotland. What's Scotland? England? I'm not sure. I forget. But, you know, what they did to Clash of the Castle was, was freaking legendary. Let's not get that twisted. And we know when AEW gets all in in London, you know, it's going to be fucking fantastic. And think of this UK squad. Not only are you getting money in the bank, you get all in. You're spoiled. But then again, at the same time, you all deserve it. Because not only have y'all wanted to see a show in the UK, I've wanted to see a big show at the U- in the UK. Not NXT UK, although I do have a special place in my heart for NXT UK. Those of y'all who know, I covered NXT UK many moons ago. It was fucking worth it. But... I have never in my life wanted to see a, a company in the go to the UK and just knock it out of the damn park the way I want to see AEW do all in in London and knock it out of the damn park. I love wrestling. I love professional wrestling. I actually dabble and watch sometimes some some amateur wrestling. I've watched the you know the college wrestling. Uh, NCAA championships from time to time, and it's pretty cool because I always think in my mind, I'm like, ah, they could probably do an NIL situation and go over to WWE. That would just be fun. Don't mind me, uh, my guest co-host, you know, for the time being, at at this very moment, Princess is just enjoying the remnants of her dinner. I believe it's lamb, and she really likes it. So much so, she brought the can with her to her bed and decided to eat it. It'd be like that sometimes. But getting back to, you know, I mean, if, if the screenshots are true, of course, you know, Ticketmaster was kind of foolish to actually post that. I get that. But, you know, if you're not prepared, well, actually, you got it's about a week beforehand, so you might as well actually have gotten that out there. But you're bad. But if the screenshots are legitimate, 1500 for... And I'm, which I'm assuming is front row um, and 30 in the nosebleeds. It don't matter how much you pay for this. I'm sure people would be paying, especially in the UK, would be paying, you know, willing to pay a ton more than that to be able to, you know, watch this. Because this is a huge event. The biggest event, A, in AEW's history. The big, Of course, being a part of the biggest summer in AEW history. And they're literally trying to do everything they can to make this the dopest summer in AEW history. Not because of the fact that they just want to do it just for funsies. No, they're trying to make a damn statement. This is what AEW is doing. They're here to make a statement. That, yeah, we can go to London too and kill it just like WWE did. And of course, WWE are like, ha ha, we did it first. And then uh, AEW is going to be trying to be like, ha ha, we're about to do it better. Will they? I mean, we'll have some time to figure it out. We got a couple months before, of course, uh, July 1st being um, 
London money. I was about to say uh, Mon- London in the bank. Ha ha. Hilarious. Uh, money in the bank in July 1st. And then April 20, August 25th. Um, they'll do all in. Because the week after they're doing Liberty Day weekend and they're going to do all out. But it's not, again, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they'll sell out however many seats they put up there. I don't care. The thing I care about, the main thing I care about is that AEW puts on a banger of a show that is worthy of an all-in and that is worthy of being seen as a spectacle. The same as it was back in 1992 when they held SummerSlam in Wembley and Davey Boy Smith British Bulldog beat Bret Hart in the main event for the Intercontinental Championship. That's what matters to me most. It's because if they put on a show that was worthy of the all-in the first time, I think we're going to be in for a, a wonderful treat that is worthy of being seen as an all-in. We now head over to yahoo.com. I usually don't go outside of the realm of wrestling uh, websites for my news, but sometimes you got to dig a little deeper and go outside of your comfort zone to get a little bit more information than you usually need when it comes to pro wrestling news. But I saw this actually while I was watching the draft on Thursday night. Seahawks did good. We did good. We had a great draft. I mean, Philly had an amazing first round. That was insane. Uh, I'm sure, as again, this as of this recording, it's 5.51 p.m. and rounds two and three haven't started yet. So hopefully Seahawks keep the momentum going. That'd be great. Very nice. Schneider, don't fuck it up. Carol, don't fuck this up. I actually like y'all ever since the Wilson trade. So keep making me happy. We'll be nice. But let's get into it. Because uh, Vince McMahon, again, apparently is in some hot water. As if the sexual assault nonsense wasn't fucking enough. WWE's Vince McMahon and more being sued by former employee alleging racist storylines and wrongful termination. This is from Mick Joist. WWE is once again in the spotlight for a controversial reason. Not a month after it was sold to Endeavor. Please fire this man, please. Just a year after the company. Had to disclose alleged hush money payments made by Vince McMahon, which honestly should have just gotten this man out of the company for fucking good and right off into the fucking sunset. It is now facing a lawsuit from a former writer. That other bit was just, I put that in there. According to the claims, the WWE used racial and stereotypical storylines during her tenure and wrongfully terminated her retaliation for speaking out about it. Brittany Abrahams worked for the WWE between 2020 and 2022 and has now filed a lawsuit against her former employer for discriminating discriminatory treatment, harassment, hostile work environment, wrongful termination, and unlawful retaliation against the plaintiff due to her race, color, and gender. A court document via Brian, uh, Brandon Thurston reveals that Abrahams mentioned specific racial or stereotypical pitches that made it to television in her lawsuit, which involved Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair and superstar Apollo Crews. WWE writers apparently scripted Belair, one of the first black women to main WrestleMania, to say, uh-uh, don't make me take off my earrings and beat your ass. During a feud with another wrestler. I forget who what that was, and I'm not going to try to figure out right now. The suit also mentions the American-born Apollo Crews being instructed to speak with a st- stereotypical and exaggerated Nigerian accent. And I'm going to explain why that's a little goofy, because someone else also did something else. 
you kind of already know, but we're going to talk about it anyway. There's a video. I don't see it. Those are just some of the examples of offensive wrestling moments that can be viewed with a Peacock Premium subscription. I have one. Hope you have one, too. But the lawsuit alleged there were other ideas that Brittany Abrahams and others complained about that never made it to television. For example, it's written that a writer suggested that a Muslim wrestler be revealed as linked to the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Now, that actually is Mustafa Ali, and that wouldn't absolutely make sense because I believe, I forget who I, who I follow on Twitter actually said this. Um, had that been a storyline, it would have meant that Mustafa Ali would have had uh, been behind the alert 9-11 terrorist attacks at the age of five. Anyway... When Abrahams and others went to Vince Vice President Christine Lubrano and complained about these ideas, they were allegedly told that wacky things happen in the writer's room all the time. The WWE ultimately fired Brittany Abrahams in April of 2022 for taking a uh, WrestleMania 38 branded chair for herself after the event. Abrahams alleged that this is a common practice while that white male writers weren't punished for and that her termination was ultimately tied to her frequent complaints about racist and sexist storylines pitched and put in motion in the writer's room. These accusations against the WWE, while shocking in some respects, aren't too hard to believe in terms of misrepresenting superstars' origins, given the history of the company. A number of wrestlers over the years have pretended to be from a country that they aren't, or, or even represent themselves as an ethnicity that they aren't. This includes, of course, Yokozuna, who was billed as a Japanese sumo wrestler but was actually from Samoa. Razor Ramon, who was given a Cuban-American persona based on the Scarface character Tony Montana. Just in case y'all forgot, that was actually Scott Hall's idea. Glad that he got that over because Scar because Vince McMahon didn't know what Scarface was. But Razor Ramon made it convincing enough that it worked, and it did. But in reality, the late Scott Hall, who portrayed Ramon, was born and raised in Maryland. I did not know he was from Maryland. Huh. My uncle lives out in Maryland. One of my uncles lives out in Maryland. It's a pretty, pretty nice flex. Also, or your Orioles are actually looking good, and congratulations to your Ravens for getting Lamar Jackson and Zay Flowers. Well done. Getting back to the article, though, it remains to be seen whether or not Brittany Abrahams will be successful in her lawsuit against the WWE or not. Meanwhile, the company is preparing for backlash in other upcoming WWE events, so who knows how much attention, if any, it'll get to elicit response within the organization. <sighs> it'll be interesting, though, to see what impact this lawsuit may have on the creative decisions made by the company going forward, and if more potentially objectable, objectionable character angles and lines play out in television. The one I was talking about in particular in terms of Apollo Crews was, uh, y'all remember a Jamaican named Kofi Kingston? And then out of nowhere, he lost his accent, and we all made fun of him for that for a few minutes, and then we just got past it. Yeah, that part. Now, I understand, you know, WWE... Since I have been a fan at seven fucking years old, which meant I have been a fan since 1995. Um, I didn't understand it then, but I get it more so now that, yes, there there are going to be some things in WWE, um, you know, that are deemed very fucked up and can definitely be seen as racist. Um, especially since uh, Vince McMahon said the N-word and we still haven't forgiven him that uh, for some time now, Hulk Hogan, we're look, we're looking at you, N word. Um, no, I actually know what Booker T said, and I'm not gonna say it here on the podcast. We ain't got time for that. Um, but yeah, yeah, there has been a lot of very much stereotypical angles that have been used and have been 
for the most part, successful in WWE. Because they have. And yeah. I mean, Razor Ramon thought of the gimmick. You know, Scott Hall thought of the Razor Ramon gimmick. And it honestly was freaking perfect. And it's beautiful. You know, one of the one of my favorite, honestly, one of my favorite characters literally of all time. I love Razor Ramon, especially after he talked about, um, you know, how, how cool he was in uh, uh, Jerry Springer. And by the way, also, uh, just taking this time out real quick um, to, uh, to, the, to the family of Jerry Springer. Um, uh, Jerry Springer did pass away this past week. Uh, and we here at... Uh, you know, he was part of my childhood a lot. Uh, for those of you, if y'all don't know what Jerry Springer is, I suggest you Google YouTube that real quick and check out an episode for yourself. It's a little crazy. But yes, um, rest in peace, Jerry Springer. I want to make sure I get that out there as well. He has been part of the WWE family um, for a long time. But um, yeah, you want to make sure with that, rest in peace, Jerry Springer. But in terms of, you know, Razor Ramon going into Jerry Springer and actually actually being a very positive force because for the most part, he could have been a really solid baby face if they wanted him to. Um, but yeah, Yokozuna was Japanese and he was that. Again, Kofi Kingston was Jamaican, really from Ghana, West Africa. Here's the thing. This has been going on for long before a lot of us were wrestling fans. We know it. We accept it. If the character's over, you know, but it's not, I mean, a lot, a lot of, you know, I mean, especially in like the late 80s, early 90s, a lot of that was prevalent. I mean, one that always comes to mind, of course, is uh, Triple H, Booker T, WrestleMania, I believe, 20. We all know what happened with that, right? That was racist too. And then they didn't get Booker T over. And that was when Triple H had no beard. And I like to think of Triple H with a beard. Then without. (sighs) Yes, there have been inclinations of racism and sexism. Making Trish Stratus bark like a dog. That was weird. Divas in the Divas division in general. That was weird. That was fucked. I mean, you can do all the, you know, Thanksgiving gravy matches in a inflatable pool, pool all you want. It's fucked up. Now, as far as the case in question goes. If it does turn, I mean... Don't get it twisted. The Apollo Cruz John. Now, we gotta keep we gotta keep one thing funky with this too. As far as now, Bianca's stuff, Bianca didn't want to do that. From what I saw on Twitter and, and all the news sites, Bianca didn't want to say those words. She got really pissy about that, and they still ran that line. That's fucked up. Okay. That's fucked up. And the writer shouldn't be doing that if it you got to give them some leeway. Now, a lot of people, you know, usually don't know, not every wrestler in WWE gets the creative freedom to do and say as they please. John Cena looking at you, dipshit. And thanks for sandbagging that match at WrestleMania 39, by the way. Not letting that one go. Don't care. Um, as I see it, 
honestly, I do I think this case has some merit? I do. I get I get the case. Now also, you know, if you know, with the whole taking of a seat thing, um I think I think the way that it went down is that, you know, she was actually coming to, you know, her higher ups with legitimate complaints and they were just finding a way to kind of get rid of her. If the chair story is true, then basically that was their way of kind of like, you know what, you're getting the boot. Do I think that the case will do any the case will go anywhere? No, it probably won't. Because they have a track record of doing it before most of us were born. I mean, I was born in 1988. Showing my age, don't care. I still look handsome. But I don't think the case will go anywhere. As much as like W, as much as like fans, you know, have seen. I mean, Vince McMahon said the N-word live on fucking SmackDown in front of John Cena. Now. We don't let that one go because that was really fucked up. Which actually explains a lot more why they did it in front of John Cena than if they did it in black superstars at the time because there weren't many at that time. A few, yes, but not like on main roster telly. If you did it in front of Theodore Long, he wasn't going to mess with that one player. Let that be known right now. As far as it goes, though, I don't think, I mean... Now, for those of you who may not know and listen to this wonderful, smooth, buttery voice, I am a biracial man. I am a, I am a black, and I am Czech. On my mom's side, I am black. On my dad's side, I am Czech. Dad, rest in peace. But you know, I still think. I mean, I, I, I mean, to the rest of the world, I'm, I'm black, dude. Until you know, I tell people I'm white, so I get it. But with this case. Again, it would have to be proven that, you know, it was intention. There was intent. If they can prove that there was intention, if it, you know, I mean, if it's, it's one thing for Bianca Belair to say, yeah, I don't want to keep saying this line week after week after fucking week. Maybe you could try to not write that. And I think as of late, I don't think they've, I mean, honestly, they haven't had her use that line for quite some time. And... I mean, as far as the Apollo Crews, you know, thing goes, that was kind of just a shit gimmick. The way they presented it. Because out of fucking nowhere, I'm just like, like, I get, yeah, I know he's Nigerian, you know. But you can still show him being of Nigerian descent without necessarily having to go over the top with the African voice. He could pull it off. He pulled it off fucking well. It, it, yes. We don't necessarily have to, you know, make like go overboard with, you know, him being, you know, of Nigerian descent. You don't necessarily have to do that because it makes no goddamn sense. Don't do that. Kind of weird. There are it's because it, we like again, we've seen this all before. We've seen this gimmick stuff. Stereotypical things happen since the fucking 80s. Sergeant Slaughter, you know, being an expatriate going up against Hulk Hogan, you know, who's all about America. And saying your prayers and eating your vitamins. I'm really I'm not sure if they ever did Hulkamania vitamins, but they did if they never if they never thought of that, that was a really missed opportunity for them for WWE to make a lot of money off Hulkamania at that time. Maybe they were in the Flintstones. Because Flintstone vitamins are chalky, but they're still delicious. Don't know how they pulled it off, but they did. The way I see it though, 
especially within the world we live in today right now with a lot of, you know, talk of racism and white supremacy and all these things. It's one of those it's one of those situations where this this case could actually, you know, if it, like I said, if the case actually has merit and uh, Brittany Abrahams can prove that, you know, that there was like that she was, you know, fired unintentionally because of her of her race, her color, gender, all that. WWE is going to have a lot more problems than they want right now. That's the thing. You know, again, they've done this a lot. They've they've done these storyline pitches. They've done these things. You know, I mean, thank God they didn't. Thank God they didn't do the Mustafa Ali one. That would have just been really bad. That has been that would have been really bad. That would have been super fucking bad. Like, because it wouldn't have made any sense whatsoever. So. Now, again, you know, and she's seeking reinstatement, damages, declaratory judgment, injunction, you know, restraining defendants from uh, engaging in such unlawful conduct. Do I think this is, do I think, like I said, if this case does go down, if the actual case takes place, if the, you know, that's, that's going to be the key thing. Because there's a lot more than just Vince McMahon on here. They didn't say in the article who was, but I think I think it might be at least Stephanie McMahon and uh, a few others. Because uh, you know, discriminatory treatment, harassment, hostile work environment, wrongful termination, and unlawful retaliation against the plaintiff. That's the lawsuit. If that, I mean. We'll see how it goes. I'll keep up on it as much as possible. I'll do my thing. When we come back, though, I got a little bit more news before we get out of her for the week. And I'll let y'all know all about that, usually. But I'll let y'all know all about that on the other side of episode 361 of the YLP podcast. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for your main event segment. Come episode 361 of the YLP podcast. And we head over to Fightful.com. And honestly, this is actually a pretty cool story. When I saw this, I'm just like, this makes sense. All the sense in the world. Excuse me. From Fightful.com, Tiffany Stratton would like to stay in NXT a little bit longer instead of being drafted. From Skylar Russell and Jeremy Lambert. Tiffany Stratton wants to focus on bettering her in-ring skills before going to the main roster. The 2023 WWE draft is set to start, of course, it happened yesterday. As a this podcast, you know how it goes. Many fans are anxiously awaiting the show as many performers are likely to change brands. Fans are also excited to see which NXT stars will be drafted to the main roster, as many reports have surfaced recently regarding names that have the potential of being called up. While appearing on the latest episode of Busted Open Radio, Tiffany Stratton 
who made her wrestling debut back in late 2021, revealed that she would like to stay in NXT a bit longer to hone in on her wrestling skills a bit more. Stratton was also careful to note that if she does get called up, she will rise to the occasion and be ready. Saying, quote, I definitely think for my career, I'd like to stay in NXT a little longer and hone in on my wrestling skills before getting called up. If I do get the call up, I'm ready and I will make the most of it and rise to the occasion and I'll be ready. And go. Stratton also talked about her relationships in the NXT locker room, noting that she has close friends and people that she can trust, saying, quote, I'm a very upfront blood person. Person. I don't take people's crap. I'm very out there. I feel people are going to have a problem with me no matter what. I'm a pretty girl. I'm athletic, but I have my close friends and people I can lean on that I trust. People are going to have a problem with me. I feel no matter what. It is what it is. End quote. Elsewhere in the interview, Stratton said that she wants to work on her selling in the ring. Stratton, and of, of course, uh, she was on the uh, two, last uh, Tuesday episode of NXT, in which Indy Hartwell, after that, oh my god. That uh, injury she she received, that ankle injury she got, which is legitimate, by the way. That was not um, in any way, you know, storyline, John. That was legit. That was legit, like, ankle yah. You know what I'm saying? Yah yeet. The ankle got, ankle got the, uh, the, almost got the death note uh, during that match with uh, her, Roxanne Perez, and Tiffany Stratton. Somehow, Indy came back, wanted to retain the championship. Now, had that gone on the fly, the audible had been called. Tiffany Stratton, would have, we would be discussing her as the new NXT Women's Champion, which actually was, I saw on uh, some, some social media things or all that good things, that had the audible been called, Stratton would be the Women's Champion today, and then from there we'll go. But it was not, because Hartwell's a badass. And um, the way I see it, now, mind you, this is gonna be this is gonna be, of course, her the day after night one of the draft. So, um, I'm gonna just go out on a limb, and we'll figure out. We'll see how it goes. Um, we talk next week, but I don't see Tiffany Stratton, Stratton getting drafted to edit, uh, to the main roster. I don't think she, I don't think she personally is. She is ready by by any means at all. I don't think she's ready. You, I, I'm, I'm sure if you watch NXT and you watch Tiffany Stratton, I believe she has a long way to go. For those of you who uh, had listened to me back in the day when I was doing three shows a week like a madman, um, I did NXT. I called uh, uh, that last week, this week, where I talked about last week's episodes of NXT and AEW Dynamite because I'm a psycho, but I mainly talked about NXT. And I remember saying on that pot, on that on that show, I usually give new talent who come into the fold anywhere from 18 months to two years before I even consider them to be anything. <laughs> Unless I unless I know you're coming in with uh, credibility, you know, a lot of accolades, all that stuff, then that might be slimmed down to about maybe at best 12 to 18 months. I'm being nice. Now, nowadays, it's freaking like six to 12 months, and it's just like whatever. But the way I had established it at, established it at the time, I would usually give most of, more often than not 12 to 18 months before you would even see them in a significant storyline, anything of that nature, because you want to see them develop. You want to see them take their L's. Uh, but in terms of major feuds, having supremely major feuds and fight that include fighting for championships, 12 to 18 months usually was, at least from what I noticed, what actually was the timeline for those who were actually beginning their rise. Like, actually, from jump, PC, to where, to, you know, at least being somewhat of a, of a solid feud, title contention, and, and, and what have you. Tiffany Stratton does have a long way to go. 
And that's perfectly fine. But what makes this even better is that it's the understanding and acknowledgement of herself and knowing that she's not ready for the main roster. But if it comes down to it, she will be ready for the journey that comes with it. And that's a lot of self-awareness. And that's something that a lot of people, including myself at times, do not have. More often than not. But, you know, there that's a lot of a heightened sense of awareness on Tiffany Stratton's part. I mean, from what we have seen, from what I personally seen, I think she's definitely on the come up. I don't think she's there in terms of being championship, like winning the championship just yet, especially with Cora Jade in the fold. Zoe Stark, if she doesn't get drafted uh, this this you know over the next you know four days, um, you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you, you get it. But you know they still have you know a solid you know a division of talent. Um, would I? I would say right now, in terms of the division, in terms of uh, heel faces of the division, I would say Tiffany Stratton's your number two heel right now. I would say Cora Jade in NXT is your number one heel in the women's division. And Tiffany Stratton is a solid number two. If that's if Zoe Stark actually gets drafted on either I mean either SmackDown or Raw. But I said I saw a lot of people online um actually, you know, really give Tiffany Stratton kudos for actually recognizing that. That, you know, she's not ready. She is knowing she knows herself. You know, it's it's especially in NXT. I think more so now as uh, you know, NXT talent have a better chance of being of developing. Because you know, if they were in a, if they were in black and gold era, they wouldn't have stood a chance. Let's let's uh, we're gonna keep that a stack right now. It would have been a few. It would have been at least three years before they would have gotten any shine because that Jesus Christ. But they're they're in an era right now where they're getting their shine, and they're being seen as top talent in NXT, and that's perfectly okay. That is 100% fine. That is a win. That's a legitimate win. That's a win for Tiffany Stratton. Like, I know I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. You know, she wants to work on her selling. She wants to work on her in-ring psychology. She actually wants to put the work into this. That is 100% commendable and respectable. And something I would love to see talent say a lot more than usual. You know, she does have close friends in NXT. And if it comes down to it, I mean, I honestly don't believe. I mean, as of, of course, this recording, this is a uh, Friday at 6.34 p.m., by the way. Um, I just don't see Tiffany Stratton getting drafted. I don't think she's ready. I think WWE knows she's not ready. If it was Vince McMahon running the show, Tiffany Stratton would have been would have been called up. We know this. I think Triple H knows a lot better than Vince does, that um, Tiffany Stratton is not ready. Not even close. And that's good. You know, like, the, like, like I said, knowing she wants to work on her skills more, knowing that she's not fully prepared to join the main roster, knowing that if it does, if she does get the call up, she will be ready. Knowing that, you know, 
just knowing herself. That's the key. And I think that's a lot of, uh, that's a one thing a lot of people, like I said, including myself, sometimes forget. You have to have a sense of awareness of your, of oneself. And she knows this shit. She gets it. She understands it fully. And I think WWE should be able to give her that opportunity of simply letting her stay down in NXT, working on her craft, getting her, becoming the top heel in NXT in terms of the women's division, and really leaving her mark on the brand. For real. I mean, kudos, I'm say, kudos to Tiffany Stratton for knowing that, owning that, acknowledging that, and no doubt it's respectable. But we shall close out this week's episode of the YLP podcast with some news that literally came out of nowhere. I know this has been heavily WWE NXT centric, but we're going to go do some AEW shit because we like doing hood rat shit sometimes. Because Roderick Strong made his AEW debut this past Wednesday, saving Adam Cole, baby, from a beatdown from the JAS. This literally came out of no, literally nowhere because honestly, everybody was just like, we were just thinking uh, Roderick Strong was just waiting out his contract. They didn't really have anything for him. They didn't, they didn't have anything. They weren't going to do shit. But let's talk about WWE having no plans to bring back Roderick Strong following his injury from uh, Danny Wollstenholme. Roderick Strong debuted for AEW uh, All Elite Wrestling. I'm sorry. This past Wednesday night on AEW Dynamite by coming to the aid of his former Undisputed Era teammate, Adam Cole. Bye-bye. The appearance came as a surprise as it was presumed that Strong was still under contract with WWE. It was reported last month that Strong was still contracted to the promotion. However, according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, WWE had no plans to bring back Strong once he had fully recovered from an ankle injury that he suffered last year. Strong had asked to be released from his contract last May, but that request was reportedly turned down. A fucking shame. He continued to perform on the NXT brand with the Diamond Mine stable after his former Undisputed Era buddies Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish had moved on from the company. Sad shit. Absolutely sad shit. Anywho, Strong's final appearance for WWE came on the October 11th, 2022 episode of NXT, where he interacted with Diamond Mines, Ivy Now, and the Creed Brothers in a hospital segment after being attacked by former teammate Damon Kemp. It's said that the Kemp attack was done as the cover story to take Strong off of television following his ankle injury. After years of performing on the independent scene, Strong made his, of course, NXT debut in October 2016, teaming up with Austin Aries in that year's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament. Later that month, it was confirmed that the former Ring of Honor World Champion had signed a deal with WWE. Of course, he's a former North American champion, the pretty much second-to-last NXT Cruiserweight champion, and won the NXT Championship on two uh, Tag Team Championship on two occasions with O'Reilly in the Undisputed Era. Now, the reason that everybody was taken by surprise was because we all thought Roderick Strong was waiting on his contract anyway. I didn't even know he was injured. Should have kept up on that, and that's on me. This goes in like a line of lore that WWE has somehow had over time. And, and the biggest one, obviously, at least to me, is the Aleister Black lore. How stupid they were to pull that off. 
for those of you who may not know this wonderful lore, I'll explain it to you because it's hilarious. Alistair Black, the one of the darlings of NXT's Black and Gold era. And we really had high hopes for him on main roster, and they didn't know how to book Alistair Black because they're stupid. Pre-Triple H, okay? Keep that in mind. Alistair Black, unfortunately, got the boot in that wonderful purging of spring cleaning that always seems to happen more often than not, and it's a shame because they are idiots and they don't know how to book people. Pre-Triple H, of course. But the foolishness that WWE had and how they didn't know how to read a contract, I don't know. We don't, I don't, that's not my problem. Okay. For those of you who may not know, WWE usually, when they actually release talent from the main roster, it's a 90-day no-compete clause. You can't go to any other company for 90 days. You get to sit at home for three months, shut the hell up, eat your cookies, and watch telly. Nothing bad. You can go do whatever you please. Take a vacation. Take Go on a canoe ride, ride a kayak. Go surfing if that's your jam. You know, play horseshoes, cornhole. You know, maybe go to a fine dining establishment and have the 13-course meal just because you feel fancy on, on Wednesday. You feel me? But yeah, they can't compete for. Uh, they can't go to another company for ninety days. After that time is up, then they can uh, wrestle wherever they please, send all the tweets they want about their appearances on indies or whatever. Yada yada yada. Well, WWE forgot to read uh, Alistair Black's contract. Um, yeah, because they're dumb. Well, at the time, that was a really stupid move, uh, and forgot to actually change Alistair Black's WWE, well NXT contract over into a WWE contract. Here's the game. NXT contracts, if if a talent is released from NXT, their non-compete clause is only for 30 days. When they released Aleister Black, they never changed over the non-compete clause from NXT to WWE's version. Had that been happening, Aleister Black wouldn't have shown up as early as he did. He would have had to wait another two months before he showed up in AEW. Well, WWE, again, forgot to read, released him, and a month later, we saw him in AEW. I believe Double or Nothing, if I'm not mistaken. So that is the kind of lore that it is. Feel me? So with this, I was reading up on it a little bit before recording today's episode. And apparently... Yeah, there was an ankle. In, there was a legitimate ankle injury. Damon Kemp essentially wrote him off telly. He got healed, or was in the process of healing. WWE basically like was going to tell him, "Yeah, we're not going to re-up your contract because you asked for your release, you son of a bitch." Uh, last May, and you know what? You're kind of not needed, and we don't care. So that happened. Um, he healed up, and here's the kicker of why probably no one fucking knew Roderick Strong was going to AEW. Roddy lives in Florida. <laughs> Roddy lives in Florida with his wife, Marina Shafir, and their wonderful, beautiful baby. So, yeah. Now, here's the fun question, kids, because I know some of y'all don't know, some don't really care where the show is held as long as it's shown somewhere. Greatness. This past Wednesday's show was held in Sunrise, Florida, the home of the Florida Panthers. Roddy Strong just so happens to live in Florida. Oh, buddy. Hey, man. Because if you think about it, his contract, uh, he got injured. 
October 11th was his date. Probably somewhere around there, you know. He got written off telly, you know. Probably did his, uh, well, he was still in NXT technically, so it was a 30-day non-complete. So, if anything, AEW probably signed him somewhere between when he was written off telly until we saw him this past, like, a mo- at least a month or so before. Pretty much. We we may not know that story. Roddy may tell us somewhere down the line. But as far as we know, Roderick Strong is now in AEW. And the best part is now he gets to be in AEW with his lady. And that's always a win in my book. You know what I mean? Because that was the thing. Like, like, honestly, all of us on social media, all of that, no one knew. No one knew. Like, we were just thinking, you know, oh, well, Sean Ross Sapp will tell you, you know, why, you know, had they used this, had they used this Tron, uh, you know, when I was at Black Label for wrestling, I would have gotten over. Answer probably would have been no, but hey, can't blame my man, can't blame my man for trying. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's one of those, it's just, it, it was just fantastically done. It was, it was one of those things where it's just like, no one knew. No one knew. Everybody was just like, wait, what? He's I thought he was the thing and no release thing. And no. I mean, if WWE said we really don't, we're not gonna bring you back. We don't care. You know, we're not gonna bring you back. You know, we have nothing for you. Shame. His diamond mind could have been a lot better had they had Roderick Strong actually do something a lot more than just be a guy. That's the key. That's the really big thing. That is the really, really big thing is that I knew Triple H saw something in Roddy, but. Also, Vince McMahon was there. That was a thing. And um, he saw probably, I mean, he saw him as a, probably a midget and didn't care, you know, for Roddy. So for all we, all intents and purposes, um, WWE was going to let him go regardless. Especially after uh, he, at, he requested for his release, didn't get it. Which kind of uh, gives me reminiscing, uh, reminiscing of the dyad. Or, as I affectionately call them, the grizzled young motherfucking veterans. Not no Jagger Reed or whatever y'all want to call them. I don't even know their names. That's how sad that is. I don't know the names of the dad. I know them as uh, the grizzled young veterans. Zach Gibson. My man, soon. Like, come on. Like because uh, they they've uh, actually requested their release and it was denied, and they pretty much already announced that in uh, I believe instead of they said October they're done, they're out. That's a fucking shame. That's not to say schism would have been anything worthwhile in NXT anyway. Just saying, you know, don't get me wrong, it works. You know, Gacy and Ava Rain, it works. But I mean, I mean, mind you, this was you know when Triple H had you know GYV, 
it worked because they're the grizzled young fucking veterans and they should have been uh booked a lot better than they were in nxt let's be brutally honest this is a former nxt tag uk uk tag team championships had a freaking i mean we're the first nxt uk tag team champions defeating mustache mountain may i add And you're dead ass going to tell me you don't know how to book GYV? And then you just put them into some group that honestly it didn't make sense for them to be in. It didn't. Gacy still could have been Gacy. And had Avarine as his disciple. There's nothing wrong with that. He could have left GYV out of that. I don't know why they deny these requests. I don't know. I'm sure Ricky will tell me somewhere down the line. Or someone else in Wrestle Heavy Radio to tell me some why they didn't I request uh, for release. I don't know, but the biggest thing should be: Do you have any plans for them at all over the next three to six months? If the answer is no, let them go. Don't leave them there. Just sit and do nothing for months on end. Roddy wanted to be out a year ago. Almost a fucking year ago. It took an injury to his ankle for WWE to finally realize, yeah, we're not going to bring you back. And then let him chill. It would have been so much easier to just give them the release. Now, now, if I, I get it, if you're trying to do something with Roddy, which you don't fucking have... You had nothing for him. We know this. If you got nothing for the talent, let him go. That's how I see it, at least. If you know you have no plans for, no solid plans for them whatsoever, do not, do not keep them waiting. They're in NXT anyway. 30-day non-compete. They're gone. They want to go, they want to go back to Europe. They want to go back to the UK. That's why they want to leave. They want to go back, they want to go back to the UK. I'm assuming for NXT Europe. Or maybe just to actually just be back home. Be their homesick. Understandable too. You know, but in terms of Roddy, I'm happy that he's in AEW. I really am. Here's why. We have a little something called ROH right now going on. And I think he would be wonderfully great for that. Now he's with Adam Cole. That's also great. Now, I said on Twitter, where's Kyle O'Reilly? Where's Bobby Fish? Now, Kyle O'Reilly is still injured with a very, from uh, what my homie Fred, with the, uh, the big homie, uh, Brother Fred's told me he had a fusion surgery, and it's a very painful process. So, um, I got some empathy big time for Kyle O'Reilly uh, after Fred's told me how that went down, and um, yeah, that's some rough shit. So, he's going to be out for a while. Bobby Fish, I don't know what he's doing, but they need to get him back into the fold real fucking quick. Um, I mean, where's the lie? You know you want it again. You know you want it again. You know you want the era back. You can't call him Undisputed Era again. Can't sure as hell can't call him the Undisputed Elite anymore. But um, yeah, you need them back. I think that would be great. Um, if we can't make that happen, though, let's get the let's try uh, try the best we can with what we got. Adam Cole and Roderick Strong are back together again. Best friends. And honestly, like I said, I'm happy for Roddy Strong. I'm so happy for Roderick Strong because of the fact that a he's in a he's out of WWE. He's finally out. Um, B 
he actually gets to be in a company where his wife is so they can travel together, which is always a win in and of itself. And, you know, travel, they got their, they'll probably bring their baby with them. Win all around wins all day, every day. If neither of them are on the show, they can just hang out backstage with the baby. Fun times. If not, they're home. Good times. Either way, wins all around for Roddy. I'm a huge fan of Roddy's. I love them. Um, you know, when he was in Undisputed Era, when he wasn't in Undisputed Era, when he was in Diamond Mine, I wish they had a lot more for him than what they gave him. But I am supremely happy Roderick Strong is out of WWE, not because I have any, uh, you know, ill will towards them in terms of how they booked Roddy, but because of the fact that he is exactly where he needs to be. If you if WWE wasn't going to bring him back and he wanted to be gone, everything pl- like literally, I mean, with the unfortunate ankle injury, went out exactly the way it needed to. That's the key. I hope Roddy, I hope Roddy is as happy as he can be now. Once again, back in, you know, back wrestling in an actual, you know, in a company that wants him there. Tony Khan, thank you. With his, he's with his wife. He's with, his, he's with his family. He gets to travel with them, work with them, all these fun things. He is happy. I can tell he's happy. You know, Marina Shafir is very happy too. We saw that online. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just, Hey, you know, I'm happy that, you know, again, this is not, I'm a pro wrestling fan at the end of the day. I don't care where you are. As long as they book you as best as they possibly can, then Hey, sky's the limit for you. And I hope they do everything by the, you know, do right by Roddy. That's how I usually go with it. You know, I hope they do right by you wherever you go. And AEW was just like, yeah, I think we're good. We got you, fam. Oh, yeah, your wife's here, too, by the way. Yeah, that might be a great idea. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think it just it just works out for everybody. And the fact that he does live in Florida made it just that much more clean. Like, that's the best part. They made that so, it was such a seamless, clean transition, bro. Um, like, he lives in Florida already. They just, they timed this so perfectly. That's the best part. They timed that shit perfectly. It's like, yo, um, so, hey, Roddy. Um, got you on a contract, right? We're good. Numbers are good. Yes. 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 Marina's excited for you to show up. Yeah. Bring the baby. Yeah. Bring the baby. I want to see the baby. All that stuff. I'm sure he's, I'm sure Tony Khan is like that. That's just, you know, my thoughts of him, you know, bring the baby, come through. I already got an angle for, I got a high angle for you. Night one. I'll tell you all about it. Get your butt over to sunrise. Done. Drives to sunrise. Don't get, bring, don't bring your gear. We'll figure it out when you get there. Shut up you know, gets there, does that now as a part of the angle with already in a high angle with Adam Cole and Chris Jericho helping him against the JAS. Beautiful. That's how you do it. Already put him in a solid angle. Wins in and of itself. And that is always a good thing. And that's why we always try to end the show with some good news. But ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude episode 361 of the YLP podcast. When we come back, We'll close out the show in proper YLP fashion. Get you ready for episode 362 of the YLP podcast. Oh, I cannot wait for next week. We'll be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 361. YLP Podcast. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. 
thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions about today's episode or any of the other 360 episodes of the YLP podcast, do not hesitate to hit me up with a voice message over at podcast.spotify.com slash young lions perspective or at young uh, almost like young perspective over at podcasters.spotify.com slash wrestle addict radio you can also hit me up with an email over at young lions perspective at gmail.com if you want to stay updated with everything that's going on with the ylp podcast and all those good things in between you can follow me on twitter at yl perspective over on instagram at young underscore lions underscore perspective and over on facebook simply search for young lions perspective podcast so and of course you can tell of course you can listen to this podcast Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. So, next week, what do you want to talk about? I know what we're going to talk about. I believe we're going to be talking about some backlash. That's because episode 362 next week. birthday because his birthday is on Cinco de Mayo and I swear that lucky boy um <laughs> yes we will be celebrating Cinco de Mayo weekend with some backlash and that actually is gonna be a, a very lit weekend preview and predictions for the entirety of backlash ah uh, y'all know how I get down I'm trying to stay undefeated I mean 31 and 6 on the year so far ain't that motherfucking bad if I say so myself and I, am tr- I intend to try to go undefeated next weekend course all the news is fit for me to talk about because you know there's got to be some sort of news in terms of what's going down with backlash of uh, uh, anything that may be happening with AEW, anything of the sort but yes it's going to be a full-fledged more so than not a uh yeah all about backlash backlash preview and predictions should be a very very good time i can't wait i hope you can uh, join me next saturday to check it out with me until then guys enjoy the rest of your weekend uh, I hope your team does well in the NFL draft if you are a fan of that sort of thing. Um, you know, it should be crazy. Hope your team, like I said, oh, I hope your team does well. Seahawks did well. I think they're going to probably shit the bed in round two, but we'll see what happens. Probably four through seven, we'll do some gems. But again, guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend. I hope you guys have a fantastic week, and I'll see you guys right back here next Saturday for episode 362 of the YLP podcast. See you. Rest in peace, Jerry Springer. This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.